Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Well, we want to welcome you, everybody. This is the Global Watch International Call. It's November 1st, 6 a.m. Jerusalem time, and this is The Journey which is the part of our international call that's focused on equipping. And we are in week four of a study in which we're going through the book Unleashed by my lovely wife, Susan. And this is a book about the importance of unleashing corporate prayer in the church. So for this hour, we're going to be focused on chapter four, which is titled The Report, Present Day Challenges. And let's have... Roberta, open us up in prayer, and then we'll, if Susan wants to make any comments, then we'll have a worship song. Okay, okay, Father, we commit to this time before you, Father, and we do pray that we'll be in tune with your heart, what you have for us as a body, Father, as individuals, Father, in Yeshua's name, Father, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in this hour, Father. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Roberta. And we just want to right now... Lord, we just thank you for everybody who's on this call, everybody who participates in the Global Watch, and especially the international call. When we just say, God, you have you, we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. And we just say, Lord, we can't wait to continue our service to you and to increase our service to you as we do these things that really are providing breakthrough internationally. Lord, you're building your church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So we just thank you for that. So Susan Rao, you're on. Okay. Tell us about chapter four. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you so much about chapter four. As I hope to spur us on towards love and good deeds. <laughs> but chapter four is all about the present day challenges to corporate prayer. Just to review where we've been, the first us chapter was about a brief overview of corporate prayer and the next two chapters were on biblical foundations what are the promises in God's words what does God say and how does he respond to us and how do we respond to him in corporate prayer and our hope for laying this foundation is that we will be equipped as watchmen with an Ezekiel 33 3 message if a watchman sees a sword coming upon the land and proclaims it and it gets it going it won't fall upon our shoulders but it will help spur the church on towards what it is destined to be this whole book started with a research article that i read by george barna who's a fairly large research institute here in in the united states it was done in 2017 where he evaluated the character of prayer in the church in america and found that 2% of the church was engaged in corporate prayer. That to me was like foreign. That was like a massive alarm. I couldn't believe it because the culture that all of us on this line and, and many in the prayer movement are, we're, we're, that's our lives. <laughs> and, but it took me on a journey to do more research. And lo and behold, the more I looked around and talked with people, it actually made, made this is a reality. And it's like a big reality check. 
So thank you for being on this line. This is a process of discovery. I believe these uh, first these 10 weeks going into the 10 chapters, but I hope that it gives us solid foundations, a good foundation, a healthy foundation to start making a difference and be reformers. God is wanting to reshape the heart of the church so that it can face the hour that we're in. One of the, my biggest concerns is in studying the end times is right out of 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, where it says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And then the man of sin is revealed. And I believe that we are seeing signs that we're in the early phases of that falling away and the church is perilous. I hope that puts alarm bells or at least starts bleeping red lights in front of your face <laughs> that there's danger here, that it's a wake up call that we're in right now. So this chapter, we've been through the overview and the biblical foundations, but this chapter is looking at the culture today and what are the challenges to corporate prayer today. And I want to approach this chapter like a physician. That is, that is what I was <laughs> trained as a physician, Fred is too. But if we're faced with a problem with a patient, we ask them questions to try to get to the root issues so that we can figure out a way to begin to heal them. And that's what the basis of the conversation is tonight. So I'm not wanting to move us down a negative lane at all. I wanna spur us on towards love and good deeds. We are in a war, we are on a frontline battle today and we need to understand what the game plan is, what the enemy's trying to do so that we can have an effective game plan to go in and make a difference. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, I see some thumbs up, good. All right, <clears throat> so I'm not gonna go into details of the chapter, but I wanna start by quoting some rather provocative quotes that are in this chapter. And one of the first ones is from Jim Cimbala from Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And he says, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor is or the evangelist is by who comes on Sunday night. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. A uh, little work there, I would say. And guess why notes in his book with one accord says churches today are not so much forsaking doctrine as forsaking assembling. It is one of the most serious problems in bringing about church renewal. And then finally, another last quote from James Banks in his book, Lost Art of Praying Together. He says, it may be no coincidence that the culture we live in has become increasingly indifferent and even hostile to Christianity at the same time that united prayer has gone out of the church. As recently as 50 years ago, prayer meetings were a vital part of many churches. As American culture became increasingly entertainment oriented, the midweek prayer meeting was replaced by the Wednesday night service. The active work of prayer was replaced with passive listening as the focal point shifted from God's power to answer prayer to what is happening at the front of the church. 
Eventually the prayer meeting moved out of the sanctuary and into the corner of the church library. At the same time, the church's impact upon the culture around us began to decline. That's a pretty accurate summary of what this chapter is relaying to us. And I see some heads nodding. And I wanna say on the other side of that, the other thing I see that all creation is groaning for the sons of God to emerge. And I believe that there are people of peace that are being raised up as sons of God that understand and discern this time and this season and are being called into the front line in their churches to help make a difference, to bring a reformation in a way that is healthy for the heart of the church. And I pray that the seeds of this are in this discussion tonight for all of us to take some of this understanding, not to point fingers, but to bring a healthy resolution, to be physicians, to be nurses, to be those Medicaids between God's healing and his destiny for the church at large. And so what are those, these few keys that I believe this chapter relays? There are things that are causing resistance in the corporate prayer in the church, inside the church, inside of us. And there's also outside pressures. The inside pressure is just very simply individualism. Our prayer lives are highly um, personal. And for many people, that's, they want to stay that way. They want to stay in their war rooms. They want to stay in their prayer closets. In fact, the media has presented prayer not as a corporate expression, but more as the war room type expression. So socially, we're getting inundated with an individualistic approach to prayer. Secularization is another problem. And that is when prayer loses its practical social significance. We are seeing that throughout the Western culture with the quote that I just relayed to you relays that kind of perspective. COVID-19 has challenged the church and throughout Western culture. Are we essential? Maybe not. And many churches shut down in America over this past year. Some have lost their ground. Some have lost their footing are closing down. That's secularization. Naturalism is another way that we sideline corporate prayer and explains us all these things that answers to prayer as cause and effect. It nullifies the testimony of God by explaining it away by natural ways. So individualism, secularization, and naturalism are all big words to express a culture within the church that puts down prayer and pushes it to the side. Then there's outside pressures, which I think a lot of us are aware of uh, in our cultures. The comforts of today, our comfort zones fall prey to a lazy prayer life. And the New Testament church was birthed in a resistant culture. And today we hear from the underground churches in Iran and China, they don't want the persecution to go away because it's the, actually that pressure that causes the church to awaken and causes the church to come alive. So our comforts in largely the Western hemisphere, the Western nations, comfort zones can be a real danger for the need for prayer. In fact, 
devastations, difficulties are often catalysts to prayer. And we are entering into that time. That's why when the judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants learn righteousness. The judgments of God are good. They eventually take the obstacles out of the way that keep, keep us away from God's love. The judgments that come push us towards God. And when troubles come, it's the, it can be a catalyst to cause our hearts to become more engaged with God and what he's wanting to do. So comforts, distractions are a big deal for all of us. And it certainly is in the church where there, we can get very busy in getting all these things done. Churches are alive with a lot of activity. But where is the prayer meeting? And that's the thing we need to ask ourselves. If Jesus said that the house is to be a house of prayer for all nations, we're going to need it. Our activities, believe me, are, they're good and they're doing good things. And I don't want to nullify any kind of testimony from them. But I believe we're in a preparation time for times that are going to be extremely difficult. And we are going to need the power packing of corporate prayer to advance the kingdom, to really see the good work become God's work and God is glorified and, and his testimony will be exalted. So comfort zones, distractions, all leads to complacency. And if we're not careful, we can fall into pray for that. A.W. Tozer wrote that to desire revival and at the same time neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and to walk another. So right now we're at the front lines, you guys. We are viewing into the nations, into the world, increasing troubles. It is all good. It's not for us to be troubled by, but for us to respond to in prayer. And I hope that by the end of this 10-week period, we have enough of that alarm system awakening our heartbeat into corporate prayer that we will be we will launch into our own local expressions of can i gather two or three or four friends together and we study this thing and see what difference we can make go to our pastors and talk with them begin the discussions on how can we raise up corporate prayer that's a healthy expression within our own local church body and bring it cause it to help it come to fruition in a greater way, in a life-giving way, in a way that's engaging with other people, not necessarily praying from lists, but engaging with the church activity and being a blessing to the local church. And some of us are, have one foot outside the institutionalized Christianity and one <laughs> foot in the other. So we're in a time of transition. I believe we are in a real spiritual transition that's preparing us for the time ahead and that this is an opportune time with all the pressures that are coming against the nations we've been following what's happening in australia ethiopia i just turned out tonight is on the verge of a civil war the united states we're contending for uh, massive issues uh, plaguing our governmental system and where is the church in all of this I believe we are in an early awakening. This is the hour, this is the time for the message of corporate prayer to be expressed back into it. It's our opportunity. Our responsibility for hearing this is to just begin to work it in our system. And how can we begin to influence those around us 
towards the need for corporate prayer to be um, expressed in our local church bodies. So that's about all I have to say tonight. And I hope that it's inspiring us to look at things from a practical level. Is Jenny Hager on by chance? I don't think so. She has done an incredible work with the House of Prayer for All Nations in Australia. And I recall talking with her that she spoke to about 125 leaders in Australia and asked how many had corporate prayer in their churches. And eight people raised their hands. She can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you can find that almost anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. And it's not, even though the church is growing in the underground nations, there's resistance everywhere. Why? Because God is preparing the earth for his return. And the resistance is not for us to fear, but it's for us to face and to move into. And hopefully with our, these discussions tonight, it spur us on, like I said, towards love and good deeds and preparing us to articulate and to mobilize our own local expressions. So Fred, you have some questions here and then we'll go into breakout rooms. Amen, thank you, Sue. So, we're, so chapter four was about the present day challenges that we could articulate that where is the, where is the resistance to corporate prayer? And we're going to discuss that in the breakout sessions a bit. But we also need to be look towards solutions. And I'm just gonna um, I'm gonna pick on Sheldon Kidwell again. Sheldon, I didn't uh, I didn't prepare this ahead of time for you, but <clears throat> the reason why I'm calling on you is you are a pastor of your church and you've experienced some breakthrough in terms of corporate prayer in your own church. And maybe you could just before we go into the breakout sessions, this will seed people's <clears throat> hope and their ideas. If you could just give a brief testimony as to one of the things that you think is an element of, of what has allowed you to have a breakthrough in terms of corporate prayer in your own church body, that would be really helpful. Just a brief testimony. Yeah, thanks, Fred. I'm very happy with the time adjustment change. It's a lot prettier here at six in the morning than five, so it's <laughs> very good. But I would say the first thing before we actually saw some breakthrough this was God revealing something that was hidden in plain sight to me, honestly, <clears throat> about corporate prayer. And I think it's got to, it's got to be, it's got to be driven. It's got to be pressed from a place of God speaking and showing you. And I don't think you see that if we're going to just add this corporate prayer, okay, now this is the buzzword, and we're going to add it like a program into the life of the church, it's going to be propped up. If it's an encounter with God that's showed you a, a, a strategy, how to roll this out, and, and it affirms in your heart, it becomes, honestly, for our community, I feel for the next seven years, we're in our fifth seven-year cycle. The next seven years, all my focus with this community is prayer, and, we, and it's to get every single person engaged in some kind of way in a group and we've been doing it for the last kind of seven, eight months, and we've seen incredible fruit with it. So that would be my, my first thing. And then, and then secondly, you've just got to keep pressing and encouraging people because it is a little bit against the tide. You see these challenges. We can't be ignorant. Like the church is caught up in all these challenges. With, and this is why we have 2% of the church, as Sue says, praying corporately. But there's hope and there's life in what we're doing and what God's doing in the season. And I think he always gives us the choice to run with what he's doing or stick with what 
you know, we feels right. And COVID has brought around a reevaluation for any pastor to reevaluate what it looks like in their local. And we have an opportunity now. And yeah, that's what all I'd say. I could keep going, but I think that's probably sufficient there. Amen. Thank you, Sheldon. So you're, what you're saying just briefly is that there needs to be not a program, not programmatically oriented, but you need to have an encounter with God where there's revelation of the need for corporate prayer. And then you were talking about just continuing to press in and encourage people that it's not a, it's not a one-off. It's not a, you give the sermon and the word of God goes forth and then it happens automatically. That's uh, brilliant. Thank you so much. So I'm going to put the questions for the breakout session in the chat and we'll just go over them really quickly. <clears throat> Question one is this, what are the key issues both inside the church and outside the church? This is what the chapter was about. What are the key issues both inside and outside the church in your region that are creating resistance to corporate prayer? That's question one. And question two starts with a statement. Testimonies of answered prayer are a huge encouragement that motivates people to pray. What are the testimonies of corporate prayer causing breakthrough in your region? This will be different for everybody, but it should provide a good discussion. So um, Susan, are we ready? Yes, we are. Welcome back. I hope everybody had some healthy discussions. It was all good. Good. So we we'd like it. to hear from every group, right? Yeah. So how many groups, Susan, are there? Eight. I'm sorry, eight. Okay. So let's let's hear from group one, spokesperson. Just go ahead. Okay. I, I was nom I was nominated by Roberta, so I did it. Yeah. <laughs> she got her own back. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yes, uh, the one of the things uh, everybody um, had something to say uh, about their individual uh, needs and things. But I think one thing that came out was that where there's a need, then there is prayer. So countries where they're under persecution, then they're probably going to come together more than those of us who are in countries where there's not so much happening. But I, I definitely noticed in, in South Africa that we suddenly when the chaos happened in KZN, suddenly everybody was involved with prayer meetings and it was like a, it just sprung up all over the country. So definitely when there is a hardship, then prayer does increase. Most, I think most people express the fact that there are kind of small groups within their churches that are doing it, but, um, you know, it's definitely pre-service prayer is very good. I know we've found that uh, we sometimes meet and, and we just pray in tongues for the service and then the service really breaks open into amazing things the Lord is doing. Set prayer meetings, yes, I know we've got one in our church. It's been a revival prayer meeting and we're really seeing some revival coming. But it's the, it, it's Shirley mentioned that in Cape Town, they, the church they were in actually started that national day of prayer, which I think has gone around the world, which is amazing as well. And I, I just mentioned about... Um, Angus Buchan just calling for these amazing prayer meetings and the getting over millions of people coming just to pray and with nothing else um, on the agenda except to pray. And that, I think, has helped drive it. So, yeah, we priority, prayer is a priority. It is on God's heart and it's just finding time and also actually getting people together when they actually have been used to now being so isolated. That is one of the major problems. Yeah. yeah amen. Amen. That's great. Thank you, Joe. Group two, 
spokesperson to give us some insight. Go Testament. for it, Rhoda. You can't find Bob tonight. You need to speak up. Our group dwelt mainly with the first, but I, I think I'll just go from per personal on this one. I found it wonderfully encouraging how many people have access to several prayer groups because that's not the case in my church. And I have to basically, the Lord called me to go into the sanctuary to pray over 10 years ago. And I worked that until last year with COVID. And the one person who was meeting with me, I finally, he was more interested in talking about spiritual growth for himself and prayer just didn't seem to get into it. And so I thought, you know what, this is it. You don't even have the pastor coming to prayer meeting because he's I'm with Salvation Army. So he's busy working with the food bank. And so I think that what I said was that I find one of the detriments is so many activities that um, kids are, are taken outside the church for activities uh, as opposed to doing the act activities in the church. Now, when it comes to testimonies, we really didn't get to those testimonies. And I think those ones that had access to prayer groups that are really doing what we want them to be doing are the ones that should be speaking. But we did have one comment of the need for deeper prayer in uh, one of the prayer groups with one of the people. Amen. It's great. Thank you, Rhoda. Let's go to group three. Okay, so I'm the elected representative. I have some notes here, some similar themes, and I'll just add or confirm some of that. We commented that there was often a, a kingdom building, which was not the kingdom of God. It was people's own or certain groups' own agendas. We, I think we all need to repent of that. Uh, even in COVID, there's been building renovations, for example, taken priority over spiritual renovations in prayer individually and corporately, lack of unity sometimes, and maybe as we've commented, programs or agendas and, and rather than seeking the Holy Spirit inspiration. But we have seen in Australia a particular events and we've had a month of prayer. So there is hope and there is people listening and moving, but there's gaps at the grassroots. And then often things can then quickly diminish in, in intensity. We have seen witnessed other group, groups like Chinese, Indigenous groups, Islander groups from New Zealand or other places, far more motivated. So I think it goes back to that comment about those who are oppressed or in need, uh, much more focused on it. So there's a, a scripture that I got earlier in the year in another group. It's Jeremiah 50, verse 6. Just read it briefly. It says, my lost sheep, the shepherds have led them astray, causing them to roam the mountains. They have wandered from the mountain to hill and they have forgotten their resting place. So I think the onus is on all of us with spiritual understanding, leadership, eldership, functionally or otherwise, to bring the sheep into the place of rest. Yeah. Question two, look, we have seen patches again of testimonies and, and again, fantastic healings, people getting provision of houses or accommodation or jobs or whatever in healings from COVID. Um, we've seen that on this call as well, healings from COVID as well, but often diminishing returns. But it comes back, if we call on the name of the Lord, if we're inspired by the Holy Spirit, and there's a testimony even in our group of coming back together after COVID and seeking in front of the Lord humility, a hunger for the Holy Spirit and a flexibility around the programs and seeing the Lord move in a mighty way. So I think he's as close as their ability to call on his name. Amen. So, yes. oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Alan. 
Let's go to group four, group four spokesperson. Group four, do you know who you are? And you want to be our spokesperson? Sorry, oh, I just realized what, what group we were. Yes. yes. I'm the one that I will represent the Latinos today. We have several points of view in which we agree in the first question, and it is that we are not used to get involved or engaged in corporative prayer. And that's the way we have been taught. So this needs to change. And we are the ones that are called to make this change happen. We have to teach about the importance of prayer. And another thing that we, we were discussing is that we have not experienced God's power unleashed throughout corporate prayer. So it's our last resort. Another thing that we have noticed is comfort, as we read in the book, that it's a lack of persecution and difficulties in our modern lives. And another thing uh, is that ignorance, because we have not understand what prayer really is, that is to get close to God. And the last thing in point number one is that we have not followed our role model as a church that will be the, the first church we have in the New Testament. And in the second question, we, have, we, we didn't have enough time to discuss it. But one of the things that we were talking about is that when we see miracles, like miracle healing or things that are impossible, we think that maybe doctors can't do something or whatever resort we have, it's impossible. And we think that we are not able to do something. And God intervenes. And throughout a miracle, we see it uh, that it has been solved, a problem then we can see that really uh, prayer becomes something really important. And I would like to share an experience that we had right now in our city that's called Guayaquil in Ecuador. We are having a lot of violence right now. And really this has joined us together in prayer as different churches and different Christian groups. And this Friday, we as church, we went out for the first time in, I don't know, a lot of years, I, I cannot remember something similar before. And I heard people that they are not Christians, that when they saw us walking like crane and all that for our city, they say, oh, this is something you should have been done like sooner. And it was like, okay, and they are not Christians and that they believe that we as Christians should go out of our temple and pray. And why we haven't done this sooner? So I think that if we see a miracle happen in our city, those people will believe even more than maybe us as Christians, the power that we can have throughout prayer. Oh, that's awesome. Very that's awesome. Maria, thank that's you. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, conviction coming from non-Christians <laughs> to pray. That's great. Thank you, Lord. All right, group five. Okay, that was us. That's up. <clears throat> yeah, I think some of the challenges that people were facing, just to run through them, yeah, was finding people who would want to pray together with them. You know, just saying how the local church is a bedrock for that to find people. Uh, suspicion, there's different moves of God happen through time. People, a move of God comes and it's of a certain flavor, and then people are suspicious of it. So it's the backing off rather than actually coming together. And then own agendas, the pastors and leaders and different people have their own agendas, which causes this kind of separation of prayer rather than a coming together, which I believe is, is a thing that God's unraveling in this day. And I think by just adding to that, the belief and the revelation of the power of the shopping list that's actually partnering with heaven as we decree and speak his things, I think, that's an understanding to be. And then Hei Zhong just was on fire this morning of sharing 
her heart about the power of a prayer room and overcoming fear and how faith rose in people's hearts and the, the power of all that together. So it was encouraging. I think just also just saying that the testimonies, I think it's the, there's a rallying. I was just saying there's a rallying that's happening in this time and this hour. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the strategies now, but there's a rallying in this season and people are going to come on. And we've just seen how Zoom has been an incredible tool of rallying more numbers and more people are catching the heart of what this is about. And I think that's a smaller focus, but it's actually a wider impact that's taking place. And I just want to add something here quickly. As Rhoda, you were speaking there, there's a verse in Acts 6 that says this about the apostles, that there was a need to feed people, there was a need to help. But this is the response of the apostles from the Passion. It says the 12 apostles called a meeting, all the believers, and told them, it is not an advantageous for us to be pulled away from the word of God to wait on tables. And I really believe that it's a season where leaders can't get caught up in stuff. We need to set the tone and the way. I don't know which leader is brave enough to say, sorry, guys, I can't come and help you. We're going to be praying. We're going to be doing this stuff and setting the tone for people that lead ahead. And uh, yeah, that's just my heart. And that's what I really believe is a reality for us today. So we had a great time. Thanks, guys. Wow. We, oh. we want to hear that. We want to hear that. The, the, the pastor of a church comes and says, I, sorry, I just can't do this because I've got to be spending my time in, in prayer. But we say it's coming and it's going to be the norm. It's not going to be the exception in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. All that's right. actually that's actually a good prayer point for us all. <laughs> yep. yep, I'm fired up now. All right. Group six. That would be us. OK, a couple of points from the first question. Margaret Mabanda brought up a, a, a great point that um, they're seeing a generation that hasn't experienced the power of prayer. And if they haven't experienced the power of prayer, obviously there's no commitment to prayer. Margaret Gregg brought up a, a good point that we'll all identify with, and that's the insecurity of leadership. The fear of leaders that if they, if they allow people to gather together in small groups to pray, that somehow they're losing control. And uh, we've certainly seen that here where we are. We mentioned that from an international church point of view um, in a foreign country, one of the problems is that groups are siloed into um, different organizations. So they've got this divided loyalty between what they see as their organization and what they see as the, the local church. And where is the body in all of that? So a couple of, um, a couple of good points uh, of testimony. Esther from Israel said that uh, one of the things that they're seeing, of course, that we've heard about here on the Global Watch is the abortion issue. They're seeing babies saved by prayer. And that's motivating people, which is Margaret Mavanda again said that in teaching people how to pray because they really didn't know how to pray, it's inspired things like people to go out to missions. So that's a good testimony. So I think there, there are enough points from group six. Amen. Thank you, Vic. All right. We're a little bit uh, in the chat here. We missed group four. So I don't know. Did we miss group four? Somebody from group four needs to, needs to jump in unless we're... No, that was Latin America. Okay. All right. Great. Group four, Latin America jumped in just as group four was about to jump in. Okay. So, we I... need, so if that's the case, then we need to have somebody from group four jump Is in. Which it... group was Latin America? That was uh, seven or eight, I think. Okay. I think Cynthia, did she have to leave? I, I think maybe yeah. she had to leave. I'll just go ahead and share then I'm 
you like. I, I guess we just we talked about how um, sometimes it's a matter of people not agreeing, like on on Israel and replacement theology, conflicts of beliefs, and also one of the people said it would be good to get couples to begin to pray at home together, and then maybe they would want to be, if they were praying at home together, then they would want to pray in a corporate situation. And and also that sometimes people just, prayer has been thought of as pretty boring and not believing that anything's really going to be accomplished. And I had a little testimony to share that today the church I'm going to that has asked, they said, what do you want to do in our church? They're new there. And I said, just let me come early on Sundays and and pray. And if you have some intercessors, they can pray with me. And they were like, we don't have any intercessors. And so today I went and someone that I had prayed into moving into Salem, I don't, I got, can't take the credit, but I was hoping God would move over here had just moved to town, that's an intercessor. And then someone else from the house of prayer just started going there. And I went to the pastor, I said, look, God sent an intercessory prayer group to this church today. We have a new intercessory prayer group. He said, wonderful, we can start. And so I just think it's such a miracle that this is the season for corporate prayer. That's why God had right, Susan write this book. And so God, we've got to, as intercessors, just believe that God's going to raise up those people in whatever kind of church we're in, that he is sending them, he's drawing them, he's putting that passion for intercessory prayer in the people and in the pastors. This is a church that has no intercessory prayer, but it's on fire for God. And so it was like, they didn't realize this was a piece they were missing until somebody told them. And they're like, oh, okay, let's do it. So no, this is a, a this Laurie, this is a, a process of discovery. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I can three years ago, if you thought I, I would never have dreamed of writing a book on on this, except that I started to unlock some things <laughs> that I think we need to take a serious look at, given that can I add something? I, I also found it very important to hear that it's not uh, necessary to pray with me many or to establish a prayer in church, but to start with the people which are already like to pray and are prayer warriors she just mentioned, and to start with these ones and then to believe that God is making it bigger, but not to expect that others would pray which have never prayed before, but that to start with the people which are already know how to pray. And exactly. if it's only one or two or two, yeah. It doesn't have to be hard. Start with the, the yeah. things that feel natural. Yeah. There's a reason why the Lord said, when two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. He was trying to encourage people that corporate prayer doesn't mean you have to have hundreds of people. That's great to have, but it's better to have two or three in agreement than hundreds that are not agreeing at all with each other. Amen. Okay. Group set was group seven, the Latin group. No, that was the eighth. Uh, We also agreed that with the COVID, that made people start to pray more online, Lord, and then to get start groups that way. Also, the Zoom meetings, like everyone don't feel that they're educated, like someone said, to pray. But it's all about, and like you were saying, if you got two more that agree, that's what he says, two or three more that agree. And it says, prayer will unify us. And when we do pray together, we become family, we build relationships. 
And also uh, we had the testimony that uh, one church uh, started praying for uh, Pakistan. And then all of a sudden they were doing online church services and a lot of Pakistan people on the, the, the call. And then they started uh, ministering to them and they started working with getting them churches and stuff. So it started building a, a church community, ch church planning in a Pakistan nation. Uh, that was out of uh, Australia. It says, and also one of the testimony uh, for me is I've been always praying for men to get on calls. So it's always nice for to see more men on the prayer calls. And so I keep keep praying to men. And I, I have been seeing them. I do pray on another call line and I have been seeing more men on the call. So that's a blessing. And then one lady said, even during COVID, because the, you know people were getting sick with COVID and people started praying more for that. And then some were being healed and some might have passed away, but it's still brought the church, brought the, the body of Christ together to pray corporately. Wow. Amen. Those are great testimonies, Cassandra. Thank you so much. All right, Susan Rao, we're a little bit over time here. Do you have any final comments before we, or announcements before we close? No, just, just be aware of the time change of, especially in the North America, USA, we uh, will be at six o'clock tomorrow morning instead of five. Thank you all for adjusting to the time zone. You did a great, really awesome. And yes. next week we'll go back here in the Western Hemisphere. We go back to our usual time, eight and six. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. This Discussions great were great. Be, be in prayer about how we walk this out pr practically. And it's, it's not yeah. like I have to do something. We're not saying that. What is God calling us to do? Yep. If he's waking us up to this issue, what is he calling us to? And you know what? He'll answer because yep. this is the hour where he's calling his people together. Absolutely. And I think, Sheldon, you had a very key point that it's so not about a program. It's about an encounter with, with God. And when you have an encounter with God, you don't, if you're bored in prayers, because it me, me, means that you're not connecting with God because God is not boring. And uh, so this is, Something that's so vital. So let's see. Close us off in prayer. Jan Stephenson from New Zealand. Can you unmute yourself and close us off? I was just going to say down here in the Pacific, the time zones are whitewater rafting. <laughs> We've had two <laughs> so far, and then we'll have another one next week. But hey, we're holding on to the boat. <laughs> Put on your life jacket. And you're like that, Lord. We're just holding on to you, and we just don't know what comes every, but you do. You hold the future and um, you hold our days in your hand. And we are so grateful for that. So we just give everything to you today. Uh, there are so many amazing prayer points that have been brought forward. And so we give them all to you and we ask you, O oh Lord, by your Holy Spirit to guide us and to show us where what you are landing is. And um, we just bless you and we bless everybody on this call today. Um, in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Everybody said amen.